right, guys, um, this is just going to be some random notes from a couple practice exams uh, that I have taken. Um, I've taken many off of live conferences, and I am not paid by them to say this, but I feel like they have been very helpful. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for a practice exam, that's a good place to go. Another good place is if you get the purple book, um, an exam comes with that. So... This is just a few of my notes, the uh, questions that I felt like I needed to review. So it's going to be pretty random. Um, types of fractures, you have your rugby fracture, which is also called a jersey finger. This is where the DIP is fractured with an FDP avulsion. You have your mallet fingers. Uh, we should all know this one, the terminal tendon disruption, and it can include a fracture, and it's called a bony mallet. Your Seymour fracture is uh, a distal phalanx ephesus fracture, so this is going to be in children. It's a subtype of a mallet finger. And a Bennett fracture is a fracture of the thumb, carpal metacarpal. Your rotator cuff muscles, if you remember, sits. You have your supraspinatus that does abduction, the infraspinatus, external rotation, the teres minor that does external rotation as well, but this is with the upper extremity abducted to 90 degrees. And lastly, the subscapularis does internal rotation. For the elbow, your medial elbow region, the medial collateral ligament, which is also known as the ulnar collateral ligament, can be tested by applying valgus stress. So stress is applied from the lateral elbow to medial in a supinated extended position. The Lateral ulnar collateral ligament is the most important stabilizer against valgus stress. It is very rare to have varus instability, but to test for varus instability is you're going to apply force from medial to lateral in supinated extended position. Posterior lateral rotary instability, or PLRI, occurs with a traumatic posterior elbow dislocation. It can include an olecranon fracture. It also can occur when a patient falls on a wrist extended, forearm supinated, and elbow extended position, like falling from a chair backwards. With posterior lateral rotary instability, the radius dislocates off of the capitellum and also a lateral ulnar collateral ligament disruption occurs. For treatment, the patient would be placed in a long arm splint with the elbow in 120 degrees flexion in pronation because the medial ligaments are taut in this position, therefore this will increase stability. Boutonniere deformities are going to be your central slip injury. In a true boutonniere, the PIP and DIP will be 
tight. However, a pseudo-boutonniere can be caused by a volar plate disruption leading to a PIP contracture presenting like a boutonniere. In these cases, the DIP will be flexible though. So a true boutonniere is a central slip injury and both the PIP and DIP will be tight. In a pseudo-boutonniere, the DIP will be flexible. Swan neck deformity is a volar plate injury, and this can also occur with terminal tendon injuries. The Dupuytren's McCash technique involves a regional fasciectomy where the fingers are closed with Z-plasties and the palmar wound is left open. The McCash technique is best used with older patients and allows for early range of motion. Strengthening post-operative of the Dupuytren's McCash technique is initiated three to four weeks for primary closure and six weeks for the McCash open palm technique. Skier's thumb or gamekeeper's thumb is a thumb UCL injury. Post-surgical repair, tip-to-tip -tip strengthening does not begin until eight weeks post-op. A full thickness skin graft demonstrates the greatest amount of primary contracture and the least amount of secondary wound contracture. If it is applied early, a full thickness skin graft will maintain its size and completely stop the contracture of the wound. The difference between hyperalgesia and allodynia is that hyperalgesia is pain greater than expected and allodynia is pain that occurs with a non-painful stimuli. Somatic pain is usually related to cervical disorders and is described as dull, achy, and poorly localized. The, the scalene triangle includes the rami or trunks of the brachial plexus and the subclavian artery. Compression of the brachial plexus in the scalene triangle is known as thoracic outlet syndrome. So again, the trunks are located in the scalene triangle. Trigger points in an anatomical position so if there's a trigger point in the pectoralis and subscapularis, it will refer pain medially down the arm. If a trigger point is located in the infraspinatus, it will refer pain laterally and the radial hand. Trigger points in the levator scapula will refer pain along the superior shoulder and medial border of the scapula. So I'm going to repeat this on trigger points because I keep missing questions on this. Uh, so if there's trigger points in the pectoralis or the subscapularis, it will refer pain medially down the arm. If there's a trigger point in the infraspinatus, it will refer pain laterally down the arm and the radial hand. If there are trigger points in the levator scapula, 
then the pain will be referred along the superior shoulder and medial border of the scapula. For sensory return, the order is as follows. Pain is first, and then temperature. After that, the patient gets 30 hertz of vibration, and then moving touch, and then constant touch, and then 256 hertz of vibration. So again, sensory return occurs in pain, temperature, 30 hertz vibration, moving touch, constant touch, and then 256 hertz vibration. A dermofasciotomy requires a full thickness skin graft. This procedure is chosen to reduce recurrent contractures and the offending fascia is excised and the overlying skin. This is why you need a full thickness skin graft after a dermofasciotomy. For a metacarpal shaft fracture post-ORAF, you can start dynamic splinting at four weeks post-op if there is significant stiffness present. Functional fra fracture bracing is pressure from soft tissue constraints, providing a stabilizing force from all directions that allow limited motion at the fracture site. Klumke's palsy is a C8 to T1 disruption. This is a lesion causing decreased intrinsic muscles of the hand and flexors of the wrist and finger. The clinical sign of Klumke's palsy will present with the form supinated, wrist hyperextension, and claw hand deformity. Central slip is responsible for the last 15 to 20 degrees of PIP extension. The central slip is a primary extensor. If disrupted, um, normal PIP extension is lost. Central slip injuries will lead to swan neck deformities. Shoulder test, the um, anterior apprehension test best assesses glenohumeral anterior instability. The patient is placed in shoulder abduction, external rotation, and force is applied by the clinician from the posterior shoulder to push the glenohumeral head anteriorly. The O'Brien test assesses for slap lesions. The drop arm test looks at rotator cuff tears. And the Jurgensen's test is for biceps head stability. So the anterior apprehension test best assesses glenohumeral anterior instability. The O'Brien test assesses slap lesions. The drop arm test is rotator cuffs. And the Jurgensen's test is for biceps head stability. AMBRI, A-M-B-R-I-I, stands for atraumatic multidirectional shoulder instability. This is typically bilateral and it responds to rehab 
and rarely requires surgery. The acronym TUBS is Traumatic Unilater Unilateral Lesion with a bank art lesion and usually requires surgery. For iontophoresis, the cathode is a negative electrode and an anode is a positive electrode. The drug of choice for lateral epi is dexamethasone, which is a negative charge. Something I read recently that helps with this is that anode is for A plus, plus being positive, and an A plus is better than a C minus, which that stands for cathode, and minus is negative. So that helps you um, remember which is which. And every all of the drugs are negative uh, polarity except for um, lidocaine, and lidocaine is positive. So whatever polarity the medicine is, is what electrode you're going to use um, to drive the medication. Because if you think of magnets, they're, it's only going to repel its own polarity. So if you try to put two magnets together on their negative ends, they're not going to connect. They're going to push away from each other. So that's how ionophoresis works. Sagittal band ruptures. For conservative management, you will make a wrist, hand, finger orthotic. The wrist will be in 20 degrees of extension, the MPs at zero degrees, and the IPs free. Um, the reason for this is because the EDC excursion stops at the MP level, therefore the IPs are kept free, but the wrist is placed in extension because it helps offload the EDC. If you have a bacterial count that is greater than 10th to the 5th power, that means that there is wound sepsis. It requires delayed closure, antibiotics, and will have difficulty healing. The radial nerve innervates the APL. The axillary nerve innervates the deltoid and the teres minor muscles. Saddle syndrome is pain with grip due to lumbrical and interosseous tightness. Saddle syndrome will require atenolysis. Coracoclavicular ligament is the main supporting structure for the clavicle. The coracoclavicular ligament is the main supporting structure for the clavicle. You need to know your Salter-Harris classifications. These are um, the fracture classifications for children of uh, what involves the, the growth place or the ephesus. So type 3, 4, and 5 all involve the ephesus and will most likely result in growth abnormalities. You have your snack wrist, which is scaphoid non-union advanced collapse. And then you have your slack wrist, which is scaphoid lunate advanced collapse. So if you see a question that is talking about the scaphoid lunate, 
it's going to be a slack wrist. But if you have a question resulting in scaphoid non-union, then it's going to be a snack wrist. The hypothenar eminence, the muscles in, in the hypothenar include the palmaris brevis, the opponent's digiti minimi, the FDM, the ADM, and they are all innervated by the ulnar nerve. Pseudogout is due to calcium pyrophosphate dehydrate crystals. Herbidine's nodes are arthritic nodules at the DIP, and Bouchard's nodes are at the PIP. So if you think B comes before H, so it's going to be um, at the PIP, and then Herbidine's will be at the DIP. The extensor indices et medi communis is an anomalous muscle variation of the EIP where the EIP splits and inserts into both the index and long finger. A congenital tr trigger digit is where the infant is born with the PIP contracture from being flexed in the womb. Riche canoe anastomosis is associated with low ulnar nerve injuries where the median nerve communicates with the ulnar nerve innervating the intrinsics, hence preventing claw deformity. Whereas a Martin Gruber anastomosis is associated with high ulnar nerve injuries where the median nerve communicates with the ulnar nerve at the forearm region. <coughs> a pseudo-ulnar claw hand is paralysis of the extrinsic digital extensors to the ring and small finger. It's innervated by the posterior interosseous nerve, and it's associated with C8 to T1 radiculopathy. Von Jackson syndrome is seen in RA. Von Jackson syndrome is the inability to actively extend ring finger and small finger and can commonly be mistaken of a claw hand. However, instead of the deformity being caused by ulnar nerve compression, it is actually caused by a tendon rupture. <clears throat> so if you see something that about a claw hand, but then they mention in the question that the patient had RA, it's probably going to be Von Jackson syndrome. Stenosing tenosynovitis can occur in all six dorsal compartments. This is simply inflammation in the synovium that surrounds the tendon. Stenosing tenosynovitis is very common in the first dorsal compartment known as decrovanes. It is also common in the flexor tendon sheath causing trigger fingers. Another trigger point is the serratus <clears throat> anterior. Um, with this, the pain will be referred throughout the medial arm, forearm, and ulnar half of the hand and digits. So for the serratus anterior, referred pain will be throughout the medial arm, forearm, and ulnar half of the digits. Cellulitis is a common hand infection and is associated with streptococcus. 
Landsmere ligaments are in the finger, and they're also known as ORL ligaments. Lateral collateral ligament complex includes the annular ligament, the lateral ulnar collateral ligament, and the radial collateral ligament. A reverse Fromet sign is seen with a combined low ulnar nerve and median nerve laceration and presents as when the patient attempts to stabilize the thumb by extending the thumb IP and it causes the MP to fully flex. So basically their thumb presents like a boutonniere and this is going to be called the reverse Fromet sign. And it's due to a low ulnar nerve and median nerve laceration. <clears throat> the use of TENS, you have conventional burst and brief intense TENS are all acceptable treatments for CRPS. Conventional is um, a good place to start first to see how the patient will tolerate TENS. Burst and brief intense are used for vasoconstriction or vasodilation problems. C5 through C and C6 is going to innervate your biceps and control elbow flexion. And C7 is going to control thumb abduction. A six-strand tendon repair loses 50% of strength in the first week. A low median nerve injury. Uh, the most common complication is a thumb adduction contracture due to the opponent's polysis and the APB being no longer innervated. And that's all I have. I know they're random.